never had a song leader look for me before. <laughs> he looked up and all of a sudden we were gone. Welcome. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, a little bit different venue than usual. Uh, next week we will be back in the fellowship hall, but of course for, for work camp we are here and we're glad for the teens who are going to be working this week. And uh, tonight we will be sharing uh, coffee and cookies and, and tea and water afterwards. Uh, we're going to have all that in the family room. So I hope you saved a little bit of room. You're ready to eat some of that stuff when we get out of here and, and have a good time to fellowship and visit after uh, we're done. So, uh, but before we have a chance to do that, of course, we want to listen to Brother Randall Tucker. And of course, before we get on to him, I have to warm you up a little bit with a little story. So let me tell you my little story. Mrs. Fleshman goes to the butcher shop, and she needs to buy a chicken for her Sunday meal. And the butcher, unfortunately, only has one more chicken left. So he puts it on the scale, and it is a scrawny chicken. And he says, this is three pounds, he says. Well, that's too scrawny. Don't you have something a little bit bigger, Mrs. Fleshman says? Well, he takes it, puts it down below the counter. He pretends to scrummage around. Then he puts the same chicken back up on the scale while pressing the scale with his thumb. Well, that's three and a half pounds, he says. Oh, that looks much better, says Mrs. Freshman. I'll take both of them. <laughs> it just goes to show how truthful you need to be as a merchant. So tonight we welcome Brother Randall Tucker Sr. He comes to us from the South Union Church of Christ in Houston, Texas. He was raised in Nashville in the far eastern side of the world, as we discussed. He attended Tennessee State University and Nashville School of Preaching. Uh, he has taught in the public schools and been in ministry for 14 years. He has been at South Union now for five years. He's married to Erica that my wife and I enjoyed visiting with at supper. They have three beautiful children, which I got to see pictures of, and if you ask them, they will show them to you. But uh, tonight, Brother Tucker, come and visit with us a little bit about the tenants. Let the people of God say amen. amen. Certainly it's a joy to be alive today and to realize that the Lord has blessed us, uh, even in spite of us. I'm thankful that the God that we serve is a God who does not Bless us on the merit of our individual positions, but he blesses us upon our collective positions in Christ Jesus. For if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. I'm thankful to be a new creation in Christ Jesus, and it is most pleasing to see this goodly number tonight here in the house of God. I want to say thank you to Brother Doug and the leadership here at the MacArthur Park Church of Christ. I really appreciate uh, having this opportunity to come and share with you. And I also appreciate uh, the camaraderie and the hospitality that has already been uh, given to me and my wife. And I'm just thankful to be in the house of God. Now, this is the uh, third summer series that uh, I have been invited to this summer. And it just seems as if each particular uh, series, uh, I'm giving a more difficult uh, subject and theme uh, than anyone else who's been invited in. I, 
I'm still trying to figure this thing out here. Um, uh, going back a few series uh, at different locations, um, one year I was invited to come and preach about fasting, uh, when you fast. And then this year I was invited to come back again to that same congregation and uh, I was um, given the assignment to inform people that you may not go to heaven. In fact, hell is a real place. So when I got there, I said, well, last year I told you you couldn't eat, and this year I have to inform you you may go to hell. <laughs> so I'm not real sure what's going on here, but it feels as though I'm being isolated uh, for some strange reason or another. But it's just good to be here and uh, good to share with you uh, from uh, short stories, which are short parables that uh, the master teacher, Jesus is the master teacher, and uh, he has given us different themes and different uh, ways to see God's spiritual truth. And so our particular assignment on tonight uh, swings from the hinges of Luke, the 20th chapter. And so I invite you to turn with me to Luke, the 20th chapter, and the verses uh, will be verses 9 through 19. Luke, the 20th chapter, verses 9 through 19. And I want to read this because it is an obscure parable that many times we don't hear very much about, but it packs a powerful punch in the reality of our spiritual conditions. The Bible reads in verse 9, Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. And at that season he sent a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, entreated him shamefully, and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also, and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son, it may be they will receive or reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and they said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone 
shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him into powder. Last verse. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. Our subject on tonight is a subject entitled Jesus Teaching the Tenants. Another way of saying it, it is the parable of the vineyard or the parable of the husband men. This is a wonderful text that invites our attention and solicits a personal response from each believer. It needs to be understood that first of all, there are some facts that should be delineated regarding this particular text. Firstly, it's important to know that this text is found in the Holy Scriptures three times. Matthew writes about it in the 21st chapter, Mark writes about it in the 12th chapter, and then Luke writes about it in the 20th chapter. In order to really understand this text, it's best to read all accounts so that you can leave with a complete understanding of what message the Lord is trying to convey. It's understood that Jesus goes into the temple early in the morning, and when he goes into the temple to teach, it is while he is teaching that the chief priests and the elders confront him. And here's what they say. They want to know by what authority does he teach. Oftentimes, Jesus was questioned and interrogated by the scribes and the religious leaders because he was a young man, but yet he taught with such authority. He understood the word of God. And so, to ensnare them, they began to interrogate the master Jesus. However, I love Jesus because Jesus not allowing them to control the conversation or take him off of his mission, he then proceeds by first of all asking them a question. That's a good way to let people know that you are on to their schemes. When they ask you before answering, ask them to let them know that you perceive where this may be headed. Jesus, not being distracted from his mission, went back to the scriptures and then unfolds a wonderful parable for us to understand. I want to also encourage you that the background to this text can be found in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, with Allusions to Psalm, the 118th division, verse number 22. And then in the New Testament, Acts, the fourth chapter, verse number 11, and 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. There are six characters in the text. The first character that is introduced to us is the landowner. 
the landowner. And then we have the vineyard or those who take care of the vineyard. They would be the tenants. Then we have the servants. Next we have the son. And then sixthly, we have the other tenants. When Jesus puts this parable before them, the message is Jesus is showing to them their hypocrisy. And he is trying to get them to see how they have been bad stewards over the good that God has provided. You would remember that it was the house of Israel that were God's chosen people and God called them and made himself a great nation. But because of their own sinful lusts and because of their fleshly desires, they decided to forsake the will of God and they sought after making merchandise of God's kingdom. So now you have a kingdom that has left its intended purpose. That is, it was supposed to be a kingdom that was consecrated and sanctified, wholly turned to God. But instead of turning to God, they heaped to themselves having misplaced motives. Of course, by this time, when Jesus comes to the scene, Jesus is informing them that God gave you his word, but you who are in charge of the religious atmosphere have prostituted the word of God. You have forsaken the word of God. You have been a bad husbandman to the word of God. You have now contaminated God's word. You are not ready to receive the Messiah because your heart is not right. The landowner, if I could unveil the characters, the landowner is God. God owns the land. That is, the kingdom belongs to God, not to the leaders, but to God the Father. It's important to see that the vineyard speaks to the position of Israel, the chosen nation of God. The tenants speaks to the religious leaders who have wickedly handled the word of God. And when you wickedly handle the word of God, it is without question you mistreat the people of God. Servants, the servants are the prophets who were sent to declare the word to Israel, to show Israel that the Messiah was coming. The son is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God who has come that he might deal with sin once and for all, that he might be the propitiation, that he might present to God a royal priesthood, but only if they come by the only Son of God. The other tenants speaks to those who are not in 
the covenant with God right now. That means Gentiles, those who had not been given the word of God into covenant relationship. Jesus says that there was this man who had a vineyard and he left speaking that God had given the word to Israel and then he entrusted them to do right by his word. Of course, Old Testament students would understand and appreciate that you had the prophets and it was the prophet's job to speak the word of God to the people of God. But of course, they did not receive God's prophets. There was Jeremiah who was the weeping prophet. He wept bitterly because he saw the disturbance in the people of God. He saw the debauchery of the people of God. He saw the misplaced motives of God's people and he wept so until he wrote Lamentations because he was weeping out of the ministry that God had given unto him. He labored with the people, but they did not receive him. And then there was Isaiah, who could forget that great prophet Isaiah, who spoke more messianic prophecies than any other prophet that God sent. And he told the people of God that one day God will send forth the Messiah. However, because of sin and the deep trenches of sin, they would not hear him. And then, of course, Jesus makes the allusion to John the Baptist, who is his forerunner, who would declare unto the household of Israel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These being the servants that God sent, yet the religious tenants or the religious Jewish leaders would not receive them. My Bible tells me that some of God's prophets were beaten. The scriptures explicate that some of God's servants were killed. Even the apostles had to bear the death sentence because they taught a message that the people didn't want to receive. And so, finally, Jesus tells them that the owner of the vineyard sends his son. And the question is now, will they receive the son of the owner? Ladies and gentlemen, because of man's heart being so wickedly devised, instead of them seeing the blessing of being joint heirs with Christ, they saw that Christ was a threat to them. And what they decided to do within themselves is we must take care, we must erase the son so that we might receive his portion. Of course, you will remember that if they are successful in wiping out the bloodline, 
if there were no related heirs, then whoever possessed it would end up with the deed to the land. Why? Because possession is nine-tenths of the law. So what they sought to do was to lay hands on Jesus. And what's interesting is, from this point forward, whenever they would meet regarding Jesus, the religious leaders who were wicked, those who were wicked, would meet secretively because it was their plan to kill Jesus so that they might obtain the inheritance, not knowing that this was all a part of God's plan. Remember Jesus said, if this body, if this temple is destroyed, I will rebuild it again in three days. Remember, Jesus is the one who said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. And then, of course, by the end of this parable, <laughs> Jesus shows unto them how God's gospel plan will work and that the gospel will not be given just to the house of Israel, but there will be other tenants. That's the Gentiles. That's, that's us. Those of us who were not a part of the physical nation of Israel, but we are now by the gospel, the spiritual heirs of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have received with meekness the engrafted word of God, and the gospel and the power thereof has made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. And so when you reach verse number 19, here's what you find. And the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour, sought to lay hands on him. And they feared for the people. They perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. What are the lessons that we can learn from this? Well, there are several, four of which are readily available. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time that we receive God's word. We're living in a world whereby God's message is under attack. People want to attempt to assassinate the very word of God. And all kinds of arguments are being brought up against the word of God. But I've come today to announce to God's faithful people to have faith in the word of God. For the flower thereof will fall away, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. What do we need to do, family? We must receive God's message it's good news. And not only is it good news, but Brother Doug, it's news you can use. It's news of how the Lord can take a person who doesn't deserve eternal life and convict them in the heart by his gospel, understanding that Jesus Christ was sent into the world to save sinners. I'm not Paul, but I can say like him, of whom I am chief. And if the Lord is interested in me, praise God, we ought to be interested in the Lord's word. Yes. 
So what do we need to do? We must receive God's message. And in order to receive God's message, you have to understand that first of all, you have to be thankful for God's servants. Pray for one another. Pray for the men who are standing in the gap and proclaiming the good news that God can clean you up and the church will stand with you and the devil doesn't stand a chance. Encourage one another to see that we must be good managers of God's harvest. Well, what's God's harvest? God's harvest are the things that concern his kingdom, which is the church. And we must be good stewards over the harvest. What should we do? How are we good stewards of the harvest? We are good stewards when we share the gospel to a lost and dying generation. We're good stewards of the harvest when we invite someone to study God's riches so that their life might be better and that they might be whole. Share God's blessings. If God has done anything for you, don't be selfish and keep him to yourself. Don't be so stuck on yourself until you don't have time for anybody else. Understand that we are all one dominant brotherhood, for we are all of one race by the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And my friends, I tell you that when we have a receptive and open heart toward God's word, not only will God bless you, but God will bless others around you. May God bless you in the spirit of his dear son.